There's nothing I wouldn't do for my best friend, Brent. I was his best man at his wedding, and the person that spent the night with him in the hospital when he needed his appendix out, and now I'm the only one he trusts to dog sit for him. Brent's dog, Charlie, is a pain. He bugs me while I work and eats way too much food, but I promised Brent I would look after him while he and his wife went to visit her family. He adores his dog, obviously. His cabin is the only residence for miles, surrounded by dense forest. He gave me his nearest neighbor's contact information in case of any emergencies. His property was large but wide open, and the entrance didn't have a gate, so I'd have to take Charlie out on a leash. Brent specifically instructed me to take Charlie out only when he whined at the door, because staying outside of the house, especially at night, was dangerous. When I asked him why, he just shrugged and said that's what the previous owners had told him. There was one piece of advice that he did provide me with, however. If you feel uncomfortable, walk. Don't run. It didn't sound nearly as ominous when he said it as it sounds in my head. I just assumed that because it's just Charlie and I in an empty house at 10pm. I took Charlie out at 9 so that he would be fine for the night. And I sat in the kitchen with a beer, checking my work email for one last time for the night. The silence felt as if it were surrounding me. It was a feeling that gave me goosebumps, static and harrowing. Though this feeling was much better than the one outside the tall wooden walls. Even just an hour earlier when I had taken out Charlie, I felt something. I felt as if there were always eyes on me. The feeling I believe animals get at the zoo, just being a form of entertainment. Now I trust Brent, though, and if he thought I would be safe in his house, then I believed that. I sighed and shut down my laptop, finding myself just clicking through my inbox rather than actually being productive. The atmosphere would not allow me to get worked on, so... I just gave up. Brent's wife, Sarah, well, she left me some frozen lasagna for dinner. I took the glass dish out of the fridge and began to unwrap the tinfoil. I noticed Charlie begin to perk up, turning his ears toward the noise. I shook my head and cut out a piece to put on a paper plate. When I looked back over to where Charlie had been, he wasn't there. I craned my head to see if he had gone to the master bedroom to sleep, but he hadn't. So slowly I put my fork on the plate and walked around the counter. Charlie was staring at the door. He turned his head when he heard me approaching and began to whine. You just went out, I grumbled. Charlie began to paw at the door so I folded and went to get his harness and leash. By the time I reapproached him, he was barking at the door. He was happy to let me buckle him into his harness. The instant I opened the door, Charlie took off. I was barely able to hold him long enough to shut the door behind us. He was tugging on his leash hard enough to make me stumble as I tried to hold him back. He wasn't having this. Darting down the porch steps, I noticed he was trying to head straight toward the entrance. 
No chance would I be losing my best friend's dog, so I gripped his leash with two hands and leaned back on my heels. It slowed him down a little bit, but he was still pulling with strength I didn't know that he possessed. He stopped for a moment, and I loosened my grip while he began to bite the leash. When he realized he couldn't chew through, he started sprinting again, ripping the leash from my grasp. I cursed under my breath and began to run after him after he made a wide loop around the property. I caught up to him when he stopped to sit directly outside one of the openings in the forest. I tried to call for him, but he ran into the woods with his leash trailing behind him. When I came to stand in the same spot I had been, I felt a wave of uneasiness. The air outside was dense and chilly, other than the distant sound of Charlie rustling the leaves and bushes. There was a dead silence. There were no cicadas buzzing as they usually did, or wind to move the still air. Taking a deep breath, I took a step into the forest. Nothing seemed to change as I did, so I figured I'd be alright. A few steps in, I stopped being able to see ahead of me as the trees began to block the lights from the house. I pulled out my phone to turn on the flashlight. It only lit up a small radius in front of me, but I was avoiding the stray branches with ease. The long and slender trees looked like people in my peripherals when I turned my head too quickly. I knew it was all in my head, but I just couldn't shake the feeling of something watching me. It made my hair stand on end, my back tingled, a feeling of something approaching from behind. I turned around in a swift motion, but there was nothing there. No moving leaves, no ghosts, no people. But the emptiness was almost scarier than the idea of something being there. I could boil most of my emotions down to a panicked hallucination. I noticed the rustling bushes were getting louder at a rapid pace, and I assumed I had caught up to Charlie. My flashlight glitched for a moment and then turned off. When I looked down to find the culprit, I noticed my phone had died. The rustling was still getting louder, but it sounded as if it were coming toward me, not away from me. And I became very aware of the pace my heart was beating and squinted my eyes to try and make out the creature that was running at me. To my left, it passed by me hurriedly. Charlie? And I yelled out. There was no response. My only explanation was that the creature that had run by me must have been Charlie. I turned around to retrace my steps, somewhat remembering where the obstacles were as I still peered at Charlie running ahead of me. The shadowy figure looked a bit bigger, but it made him easier to see. I walked quickly. Brent's words felt plastered across my eyelids for me to see every time I blinked. This situation seemed to be what he had warned me about, but I still had to wonder why. I shouldn't run. It seemed like something he just said just to scare me. So just as I saw Charlie breach the exit to the woods, I hit a tree root and stumbled catching myself on one knee. My phone fell from my hands and I reached around blindly for a moment until I found it. I shook my head, knowing that Charlie was probably long gone again. Without a care, 
I took off running through the last jaunt of the woods and broke through to the house. As I walked back to the house, I noticed that the cicadas had begun to buzz. I stopped to look back at the forest. The stillness was still unsettling, but the slight noise made it a bit better. If I squinted hard enough, it looked as if the trees were moving slightly. There was a dent in the bushes from where Charlie had entered from the clearing. It was fairly large, but I've seen Charlie make such chaos before, so it wasn't surprising. Rushing it off, I took my time to return to the front door. And waiting for me there was Charlie. He had a new scratch on the left side of him, and his harness and leash were gone. They were a breakaway for the safety of himself, since Brent had known how much of a handful he could be. I just figured they likely ripped off on a bush or a tree that he had run by. I had time to find that in the morning, but now I was much more worried about getting inside. So, ushering Charlie inside, I locked the door and double-checked all of the windows. I'm not sure why that feeling came over me, but I felt as though if I didn't, something would try and get in. Now, Brent mentioned to me once before that they could have coyote problems at times, and I didn't want to deal with one of them that just so happened to find the door or window open. By the time I had finished securing the place, Charlie seemed to have gone to bed. I finished heating up my lasagna and migrated to the guest room where I was staying, and there, at the end of the bed, lay Charlie. Now, most nights, Charlie would sleep in the master bedroom, Brent believed it was because he missed him. Considering the already unusual events of the night, I decided that it wasn't a big deal. Something may have spooked the dog, or perhaps he was just tired of sleeping alone while his owners were gone. He watched me in everything I did to prepare for bed. I plugged in my computer on my desk and my phone and flipping off the lamplight. Charlie got up to follow me into the connected bathroom and sat to watch as I brushed my teeth and washed my face. And this behavior was certainly unusual, I thought. I made a mental note to call Brent first thing in the morning to tell him about it. The last thing I would ever want is to miss the signs of Charlie being sick while he was gone. I grunted as I slid into bed and covered myself with the blankets. I threw on my reading glasses and scrolled through different news columns on my phone. This was a pretty routine night for me, other than the oddities that happened with Charlie in the forest. Now he resumed his position at the foot of the bed, resting his head on his paws, but his green eyes, wide open, still trained on me. And I couldn't tell if he wanted something, or if he was just looking for the presence of another being. Regardless, I didn't enjoy the staring. You see, it kind of reminded me of the same kind of feeling I just encountered in the forest. I could stand to think about that moment more and what it truly was. It was a feeling of a negative energy having its attention trained on me. It just made me feel uncomfortable. And my heart began to race again as I recalled what Brent had said. It didn't feel like a large deal now that I was cozy in my bed and had survived the outdoors. It almost made me believe him a bit less. As I reflected, 
I realized that I did indeed run after Charlie at certain points, and nothing happened. I expected some bear or coyote to come running after me, thinking I was prey, chuckling to myself. I shut off my phone in the final light to fall asleep. Just as I was dozing off, I felt Charlie stand and move to curl up beside my head. This alerted me to the buzzing of my phone as well, occurring just moments later. I turned the lamp light back on and groaned. The day had left me beat, and the last thing I wanted to do was have a drawn-out conversation with someone on the phone. When I looked at the caller ID, I saw that it was Brent's neighbor's number. They must just be checking in. Hello? I said, trying to mask the sleepiness of my voice. Hey, this is Brent's neighbor. We have Charlie. Did he get out? A woman's voice said. My heart dropped. Maybe she had just found a dog that resembled Charlie. Surely that was the only explanation as Charlie was curled up to me right now. Are you sure? I whispered, now aware of Charlie listening. Yeah, he's got the black harness and leash on as well. Were you taking him out when he got away from you? She continued. And that's when I knew. Whatever was next to me was not Charlie. I tried to keep the lady on the phone as long as I could. She described to me exactly what Charlie looked like and how he denied any attempt she made to guide him back to the house. He was staying away from something. When the lady seemed to get a bit annoyed at Charlie and all of my questions, she said she'd just keep Charlie for the night and get him back to me in the morning. And I could feel the creature next to me's eyes. Without even looking, I could tell that they were watching me intensely, just as they had been all night. My intuition was right. This was the same exact feeling as I got in the forest. This thing, whatever it was, had been watching Charlie and I, and somehow changed to appear as an exact match to Charlie. I took a deep breath and attempted to hide my nerves. My phone light was bright enough that I could see the outline of a tail. The tail was certainly not Charlie's. Slowly stepping out of bed, I turned my flashlight on. The creature had bared teeth and bright yellow eyes. It still wore the face of Charlie, but the body was long and human-like. And so... I took off. My adrenaline was pumping hard as I sprinted to the door, phone in hand. I heard the creature get off the bed and began to walk toward the door as I shut it hard behind me. And I stopped on the last porch step to focus my eyes on the call page of my phone. I had to dial 911, animal control, or hell, something. All I knew was that if this creature caught me, it would probably be over. The service betrayed me, not allowing me to get a hold of anybody. My phone only being at 13% was essentially useless. I took off in a sprint down the road to the neighbor's house. Hell, I refused to even look back. Even if the creature was directly behind me, I'd rather not know until it was too late. Now I didn't hear any footsteps following me, but I couldn't go back to the house. It was likely waiting for me. 
It was at least a mile run to the neighbors, maybe more. The hard ground pounded at my feet as I ran, not having put any shoes on before I left, and the blood rushed to my head and all I could hear was my own breathing and heartbeat. I couldn't look toward the trees that were on either side of me, afraid of meeting those yellow eyes. When I could see the house in the distance, I picked up the pace. I'd never run this fast in my life. My feet were bloody and raw. The pain coming to me hit me when I stopped outside the door of the house, as my adrenaline slowed. But I had made it. I pounded on the door loudly and Charlie barked from inside. I could let myself breathe. He was okay, and, well, so was I. Now, the lady I was talking to opened the door. She was very tall with long, brown hair, wore a nightgown. I tried to rapidly explain the situation, but she shushed me and led me inside. I sat on a couch while she made me some tea. Around the couch were pictures of the couple. Her and her husband looked extremely happy. It seemed to be just the two of them. The husband was even taller than her, with around the same shade of brown hair. They had to be in their early thirties. I smiled as I picked up a photo of them grinning outside of the house. As I reached out to set it back down, I noticed an unusual stain on the right side of the couch. It was fresh and wet, darkening the beige couch to an ugly maroon color. I put my finger to it and rubbed off red, and I smelled it. It was definitely blood. And come to think of it, where was the woman's wedding ring? Her voice was deeper than it had sounded over the phone. I stood up quickly and turned around. She was standing in the doorway from the living room to the kitchen, with a mug in her hand. She wore a worried expression, but when she realized what I'd found... The corners of her mouth turned up. Her sickly smile shot fear through my heart, and I backed up slowly toward the door. Her naturally brown eyes shifted when she blinked. They were yellow. My breathing became shallow as I tried to fidget with the door handle behind my back. She marched up to me, and I turned my head quickly to avoid her gaze. And that's when I saw it. There was the actual woman on the floor. The woman from the pictures, surrounded in blood. When I turned my head, the creature was face to face with me. It's real, dark, and grotesque face. You shouldn't have run.